I'm Shreen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing, a podcast by Digiday. It's starting out 2.0. We've listened to your feedback over our multiple episodes and tweaked our approach. We're calling it Making Marketing. The idea is the same. Every week, we talk to a leader in the marketing industry about the big ideas that inform their business decisions. On this week's episode, my guest is Nick Bryan, CEO of Dentsu Aegis Network Americas. The one thing about the agency business is that as much as it changes, it sort of remains the same. To paraphrase industry veteran Rashad Tobekawala, agencies are like cockroaches. They never really die. Nick certainly thinks so. The former Interpublic Group executive is bullish on the agency business. That's not to say it doesn't have its challenges. Nick has harsh words for the lack of accountability in agencies, and it's time to hold them to a higher standard, he says. We also discuss the impending consultancy competition and everyone's favorite topic, procurement. I think we're in the perpetual cycle of people challenging professional standards and and the level of contribution that we're making to, let's call it, capitalism in general. And I believe that agencies, the notion of agencies as cockroaches, however the meaning one might think, is they don't get killed. They are tough and they are resilient and they are relevant in the sense that they can when they're doing their job well, uh, prove their value by having the two things that a lot of client organizations or let's say businesses uh, find hard to do, which is a consumer centricity in everything they do and an innate commitment to creativity and innovation in building those bridges and those, whether it be advertising, content, experiences. And I think uh, for me, that has been the eternal truth for the agency life that I've worked in for 35 years, which is regardless of the discipline, regardless of the nature of the channels or the uh, approaches we're using to build brands uh, and to build that level of equity through engagement. And it changes, of course, as the media landscape changes, as the channels change, the principles remain the same. So I think the guiding principles of smart strategic thinking rooted in deep consumer insight and human truth translated into breakthrough creativity and a desire to stand out and be noticed and create uh, a level of uh, uh, interest, interest that converts into engagement, converts into transaction, then converts into relationship building. Um, The practices change, but the principles don't. So I I hear a lot of a noise about the, uh, and obviously read about it and meet people who want to tell me the whole time, whether they meet me at a dinner party, how agencies are doomed uh, and I'm going to be turned into an AI-efficient robot and the whole world's coming to an end. Sure, bring it on. A lot of people, when they talk about, okay, fees are going to go down, fees are being squeezed, there's issues with talent, all of this. But I think what is really going on is that some people are just managing to keep up, but a lot of people simply aren't managing to keep up. Well, I think uh, I'll add to that, which is, there are those who want to keep up and who are able to keep up, but it depends on the sector they're in. Because you're, you know, when I started in the business, you had the generalists and the specialists. And I started in the media business, so I was a media specialist. And you had the account directors and 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 digital. Actually, ironically, when that really started, that was in that same bucket, and it wasn't at the top table. It didn't have the same kind of prestige, and everyone wanted to focus on advertising. So when you think about advertising, what's its role is is awareness building and customer acquisition. It had no interest in in thinking about churn, it had no interest in customer retention, it had no interest in loyalty, in turning loyalty into advocacy. So 
each one of those areas within our business because you had brand advertising or let's say brand marketing in one place and you had the trade marketing in another and brand marketing to large for, for, for most of the big marketeers who are looking to build their brands with with the main mass stream media so mainstream mass media mass messaging for the mass audiences we've now come on so far from that and i think what's interesting is to your challenge as you're saying earlier that that has been so hard for many agencies is the complexity in each one of those areas or let's say in the, in in, the, in that customer life cycle between customer acquisition and retention and retention to loyalty and growth has become so much more complicated because digital is everywhere uh, data everything's data creating data so the sort of data centricity and being able to pull that all together and create the kind of analytics and insight out of that gets harder and harder and harder to do so the challenge has been that the industry has evolved to deal with the complexity of each of let's say the marketing disciplines and I would say at the expense of the generalist, that the uber generalist, which is when you go within an organization, which is ultimately the CMO, mm-hmm. and the CMO to the CEO or to the board, they, they no longer are experts in search and social and programmatic media and you know, the latest in terms of uh, linking you know, user experience to e-commerce. They have to be more generalist, and now technology is a huge part of what they're responsible for. Data security, data privacy is now a massive part of it, so that the ultimate challenge that they have to be smart enough and and general enough whilst having that holistic view of the brand and the business and mm-hmm. tying together the brand marketing with business enterprise and you're talking about the cmo, CMO or that figure C- right now. exactly okay. right cmo cmio so now we're in a situation where the agency world um has itself fragmented into many of the specialist elements so your your lo- what has been lost in my opinion is the skill sets necessary for, let's say, the omni-channel account director or business director that used to be classically called the account director within that agency world, but then they were generally overseeing an advertising campaign or whatever those channels were, or they were overseeing customer loyalty or CRM or e-commerce. Now it's a very difficult job. I mean, we ourselves within the Dentsu Aegis network, because obviously Dentsu's commitment is towards delivering total solutions to clients. We are committed to being a network that organizes our capabilities and our specialist services around a win, keep and grow value proposition. I don't want to just help my clients, you know, acquire customers as cheaply as possible and not care if they stay. I don't want to just make a sale. We want to build relationships and from relationships, we want to accelerate growth and advocacy. So that relies on creating a more integrated approach to the way that we leverage our skill sets all together. The people at the center of that, strategically and operationally, have to be trained. They have to be created. Our industry isn't really serving those together. So I think when you look at um, today's reality of agency life, and it's easy to pick holes in why, you know, the consultants are coming in. We all, all these different reasons. I think a lot of it has been the explosion in complexity combined with a declining profitability and there's many reasons as to why and everyone can talk about procurement and what they're looking for but I think a lot of it has been about the lack of accountability for our sector as a professional services industry to be able to demonstrate the efficacy and be paid accordingly so now we're 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 in this battle for talent and making sure we have the smartest most talented people in our industry who can be taught and who can learn the necessary skill sets 
to be able to contribute at a specialist level and tie it all together at a generalist level is a difficult one. But at the same time, and you sort of mentioned that the CMO rightfully has to suddenly be much more of a generalist who has viewpoints over not just the marketing organization, but now with the works with the CTO, works with the CIO, works with data. But CMOs have also, it seems like become much more educated about the intricacies of ad fraud. Suddenly CMOs didn't talk about viewability rates even even five or six years ago. CMOs were not going up on stage and being very clear about what their recent, um, what their numbers looked like, what their metrics looked like. It seems to me that both those things are happening, but you're actually saying it's that they're becoming more general, when to me it feels like they're becoming more specific. Well, I think the best, I think you can divide. It's very hard. That's, that's what's interesting to talk. We can't really say clients are or brands are. I think you're seeing this divergence in on the client side as well, because you're seeing the disruptors. So you've got the, those who are the incumbents being challenged hard by the insurgents, usually coming out of Silicon Valley or certainly very well funded out of the Valley, who are looking to disrupt. I don't care if it's the music industry or the publishing industry or the hotel industry, or the taxi industry, pick anyone you want and you will see an incumbent being severely challenged. I mean, you think about the big CPG companies now, um, and they tend to be in in the ring now with very technologically savvy, very data sophisticated operators who are looking uh, at business models in a very different way and therefore brand building uh, in a very different way as well. So I just don't think we can look at it. It varies by category. In categories, you tend to have the established players and the, and the challengers. So you've got different dynamics going on. So I think it's very difficult to make... A comment. If you make a generalization, yes, there is more pressure of accountability for the CMO to the CEO and the CFO about for that ROI, for every dollar I spend, for every million dollars I spend, every hundred million dollars. Show me the return on that investment in my marketing effectiveness. And if I don't see it, I'm going to put it to the bottom line or cut it in half or do whatever. So I think that level, that pressure has been there, which is ironic because when you think about, go back before the digital revolution and Lord leave you, you know, I mean, famously 50% of my advertising is wasted. I don't know which half. And the industry, both on the client side and the agency side, never seemed to really lean in and want to tackle that and wrestle that one to the floor. Well, that's over now. I mean, now we're looking at this new world era where brand building and performance are expected. I mean, that is a duality we reject. We are looking the whole time to demonstrate how brand can fuel performance and how performance can strengthen brand. Well, the romance, the, the honeymoon period was over. There was a point with, with the advent of digital where CMOs were like, and now I'm going to know which half was wasted. Now I will know each dollar. And you can't. Digital is not perfect attribution remains not perfect and it's brand safety is not there viewability is a challenge uh, reporting and measurement seems to be every every single month we've got some of the big platforms restating their numbers no i agree with you the promise of digital was about personalization it was about addressability it was about measurement it was about optimization it had the power to transform this amorphous mass media approach well i think what's happened is you've seen now a decade moving on a lot of frustrations which mark pritchard's probably be the most famous for his just level of frustration at every level whether it be the creativity the buying the media the transparency and and now we're in a situation where i think coming out of this year's can there was a lot of conversation that a lot of the big brand builders and those who are looking to maintain their brand equity feel that many of the big net 
digital platforms are going straight to sales, straight to low funnel optimization as opposed to thinking about brand or brand lift. So I just think we're now, and again, this is a pendulum that swings backwards and forwards. The power of a brand equity and the intangible value, we see its value on balance sheets all over the world. It's a very precious thing and it's a very important thing. And brands are, are part of public consciousness and they have an impact and an and a, and a high level of awareness have to be nurtured and they have to be fueled. And that's our jobs. So then in this new reality where brands are now focusing more on, hey, remember, brand equity remains important. Digital not quite lived up to these promises that we thought to live up to. Platforms are, there is sort of a sense that the brands are taking back some of this power that they did sort of cede to platforms at the last few years. What happens to the agency? Because on one hand, you've got, brands who are saying we want to take back control, we own the customer journey, we sort of outsourced it in a strange way to a lot of platforms, to a lot of other partners for years. It's us. We have to own it. We have to also own that data. They're making a lot of moves to kind of owning data, creating more of their own data. For an agency, could go either way. There could be a situation where an agency then becomes one of the one of the parties that says, you know what, it's fine, we don't need an agency, or does the agency get more important because suddenly brands, brands need that guiding light more that than ever? That depends on the agency. That depends. I think it depends more on the agency it does the client. If we are passive, I'll make a generalization for all the agencies, and if the sentiment tends to be one of passivity and providing a service and looking to just work in that more tactical way, so I'm employed to do a job, versus I have a career and I'm fully vested in your business success. And your business success comes from your brand strength. Because if you are my client, you're only interested in two things. You're interested in in brand, in, in growth really, in growth and relevance. And that relevance comes through brand vitality, brand relevance. So if you want your growth, I should be in a position where I'm able to advise you that you will drive your growth, not just through customer acquisition, but driving a level of acquisition to very successful retention. I have, I have a strong point of view. More and more money is going to flood from the acquisition top of the funnel through to more mid. Let's call it the, the once the action of a sale has been made, the battle is going to really begin. Because to turn that into strong loyalty, because as I say, it's going to get harder and more expensive to acquire more customers. More money is going to flood into what we know as CRM and loyalty programs. Those to activate, so into into more of a growth uh, agenda and through an advocacy agenda, I personally think it's going to be a huge opportunity for the agencies that are not just in selling services, but want to design and create solutions for marketing impact to drive business growth. That's what we choose to do. Now, some some of our clients don't want to know. They say, no, Nick, we want some of your agencies to manage your CRM or link our UX to our to our, to our e-commerce, um, take that into sort of performance mid-funnel advertising, or whatever the situation may be. We, however, choose to believe that we are the best architect and builder and executor to be able to create an integrated marketing system that has tremendous value. For example, a lot of people talk about the last five years, everyone's been talking about digital disruption, business transformation, transformation through disruption, and what that, and really business transformation meant digital transformation. My view is the biggest competitive advantage clients will have today and brands of either established brands or new brands will be transformation through integration. And the more integrated the experience and the advertising is, for the consumers, for ultimately consumers and customers, the more 
effective, cost-effective, and, and cost-effective not just in terms of money, but in time as well. Too much money falls between the stools of a fragmented service-driven approach. So, yes, it's changing fast, but I don't think there's one flavor anymore. Are agencies in general incentivized enough to want to then help brands build their businesses? Because the other thing that's also happening is more project work, more sort of do do this little bit, do this little bit, and that's it. If agencies are not going to be incentivized to want to solve the business problem because they're being paid less or procurement's in the room or they simply just aren't being asked at all, then why, why would they? Where does that, how much of this lies because the brands made all these decisions that doesn't, incentivize agents to do the best possible job for them. I think the fault is on both sides, but let's focus on what the positives are. The positives is, because it's not so much about the lack and the limitation, it's what the opportunity to change it. If we say, and I view the world as saying, what is my job? My job is to turn suspects into prospects, into buyers, into advocates. How do I create that loop and make sure that I minimize the amount of money I'm spending on suspects, I go straight to prospects and convert them as swiftly as possible. There's a business incentive there that I can translate into customers and sales and ultimately that's what I should be rewarded on so I think that the agency world needs to lean more into performance where the value of our creativity the impact of our strategy and the flawlessness of our execution means that we are demonstrating real business results and close that gap between our marketing activities and the business success that the clients are looking for from an economic point of view now there's no reason why our the economics of our model and our compensation deals can't be structured to those kind of outputs. We just have to choose to say or how are we going to link ourselves to the business outcomes and, and actually negotiate with procurement who tend to be very pragmatic. They're not just there to cut costs and beat agencies up on fees. I find that most procurement people I'm negotiating with, they will try to do that, but they're very much in lockstep with the marketing directors who are looking to drive innovation and growth so if it's just a cosplay and it's about beating the crap out of agencies to get the lowest possible price you know what the kind of service outcome is going to be so i think that as we talk about this evolutionary change that's going in agency life now performance-based compensation deals will become much more prevalent in the future a very quick break to tell you all about Digiday Plus, our premium membership product. For $3.95 a year, you get Digiday Magazine, access to our members-only Slack community, lots of invites to exclusive member-only events, event briefings from Digiday Summits, research, and lots, lots more. To find out more, visit digiday.com. Now, back to the episode. But even if you, sitting in Dense Regis Network, even if you say, we choose to do this, we're going to try and do this, there's always going to be... It, it, this sort of approach that there's always going to be somebody else out there who'll do something and do it cheaper. And it, it might be a worse service that they offer. But in that moment, in that moment and in that quarter, the CMO might simply not care. I think that there's been a lot of kind of, there have been agencies that have been trying to kind of, we, we will work for the right price. We will do the greatest work possible if you pay us the right price. But without everybody kind of rising up to a certain standard, there's always going to be a cheaper. There is sort of a race to the bottom. And then you've seen this happen where people just keep undercutting each other for ages. And I've heard about this. Everybody can get together and kumbaya and we'll do it as an alliance. It's just, that's just not happening. Agencies have undersold themselves for years as generally. I find it hard to talk about agencies in general because again you're talking about a very rich mix of different players in the spaces if you're talking about the holding companies put put it like this agency sector 
has not done its best when I when it comes to professional standards around accountability, transparency, simplicity, cost efficiency. There have been many areas that I think have hampered us, that have allowed now different players, whether we talk about the consultants or the platforms, or even clients themselves, you said it earlier, where a lot of clients, it's not just about which agency comes in, which is what do I bring internally? Do I bring in social listening? Do I bring in my data? You know, the dynamic is changing. Notwithstanding, it gives us the responsibility and the opportunity to define a value proposition and be paid accordingly. When I started in the business, there was no consideration about that. We just had to focus on making the best ads and buying the cheapest media and being as effective as possible. And the economics, took, it was a 17.65% commission that was paid on media and production. Those days are over. Those days are over. It was very, very wealthy days. And actually, in hindsight, too wealthy, too profitable, not enough link that was going on in the client's eyes, and that changed that. And again, that was in the 90s. So now you start to think about the turn of 2000, think about what was a big bang around the digital. Without that in my mind, it was a time Warner AOL, I put it on the map. Suddenly there was this huge disruption, and it hasn't stopped since, it's only got quicker. So in this new world order, we're like any other professional services business. We're like the consultants, we're like the lawyers, we're like the accountants, where... We are in a competitive set. We're in a competitive race. We've got other people who look what we are. And it's not just about what we do, but the way that we do it. And I think the best bit about agency life is that intangible element of the chemistry. And still, I see, I just saw some stats the other day in terms of what influences pitch decision-making. And only 25% was on ultimate pitch day substance. So much of it, over 50% still had to do with the chemistry of the agency or the nature or the belief in the relationship that we're going to have. Can I trust you? Can I believe you're going to really commit to my business? Can I believe that you're going to give me your best? Can I believe that you're going to show up and do what you say you do beyond just pitch day when I'm so excited about it? That kind of professionalism about what we're doing, I think it's our responsibility to then demonstrate the value of that and be paid accordingly. A client isn't going to buy a Ferrari for the price of a mini. If they can buy it for the price of a mini, they're well, leaving to- it up to the client is like the equivalent of going to a bazaar and saying, "Well, what, is, what does anyone want for this?" I, yeah, but here's here's the point: if we leave it, if we leave it, we are working on a strategy based on hope. Our responsibility is to be paid according for the value that we deliver. And a lot of our clients, rightly so, are saying, okay, prove your value, right? From an economic point of view, let me see that this cause and effect of the activity I'm doing is driving business success. And that's my point earlier. It's not just about the optimization in middle to low funnel in for performance media. We're talking to a lot of dynamics here about how are we strengthening brand equity and converting that through to sales and then into retention and relationship building. You've seen multiple cycles of the ups the, uh, and the downs, many downs, many ups during your career, 35 years, I think you said. Right now, it feels like one of the big dis- disintermediating forces um, are the consultancies. Everyone's talking about them. And I think you go back to what we were just talking about, business transformation. It's something that they've worked with a lot of these brands already on, in, maybe in supply chain, maybe in logistics, maybe in auditing, maybe in accounting, on business transformation. Now... They're clearly, it makes sense, just adding on sort of the services, marketing services element. How much how much have you seen that the clients or the brands in general are interested in that offering and why do you think that's happening? And do you think that this, in fact, is actually the biggest challenge for agencies right now in terms of a competitive issue? It is a challenge in the sense that another set of 
professionals have entered into the space around brand building and marketing. Has that happened before? Not to this degree. Not to the degree where strategy and execution are being tied together. We're seeing Accenture Interactive. We're thinking about the development in terms of the programmatic. I'd still believe, though, that every dynamic of the industry and everything that changes, and again, you look at this in the music industry, you look at so many other industries where actually the music industry is dead. Well, the record industry is dead, but the music industry is thriving. It's just new players and new approaches. But a lot of the incumbents, a lot of those players who were strong then, they haven't disappeared. So I think whatever makes us stronger and smarter and that external competitive pressure, you're seeing it in the face of capitalism today. Generally speaking, when the activists join the board and they start to agitate for a level of performance, whatever, however that manifests itself, there's generally an uptick in terms of the performance and things start to happen, divestitures happen, whatever the circumstances are. So I don't necessarily view it as a bad thing. I will still maintain, however, that the world of management consultants has not necessarily attracted the cre- the most creative and innovative people of the world of the advertising and the marketing and you're services. you're talking about the talent. I'm talking about the talent. They're More, trying. They're certainly they are, trying. They're making acquisitions. And we're so, let's see how that all plays out. It's very early days. Because again, working on supply chain, working on HR, working on restructuring and re-engineering around manufacturing processes, what they are doing, however, is bringing a level of rigor around technology platforms and data centricity to bring marketing closer to business enterprise. That's a very good thing. We should be doing that too. Okay? So we should always be doing that. But we are C-suite. They're C-suite. Everyone talks about how swiftly they can get into the game because they've got the C-suite relationship, CEO, CFO. My C-suite is a consumer. My C-suite and my expertise is a deep, really deep obsession with consumer, not just in that product or that category, but in life in general. And then tying that together with the power of the ideas, power of idea and power of creativity. It's not yet, and I agree with you, we're very early days in this cycle, a, a, a substantive force within the other professional services world. I mean, their lens towards creativity is very, very different. So the power of an idea to break through in an attention-starved world where so many viewers, readers are now moving into areas that are behind paywalls, behind firewalls, right? It's subscription-based. That's a big issue in our industry. It's more of an existential threat that we are now seeing a divide in the world and we're looking at it across various media where those, what, the kids, the rich kids can afford ad-free and they can afford to pay the subscription and they can live that world and other people can't. No, we are in a situation, look at Amazon. I mean, they can, they can spend whatever they want to spend on getting NFL, any kind of equity that they want and choose to say this is going to drive Amazon Prime and we're going to put it all behind the firewall and it isn't going to be. Now, we're fortunate that they are leaning into the advertising business and they're very determined to bust up the duopoly in the digital space and become the third major power. In- and they're actually very well-liked because they're really good at the lower funnel. They they're, can tell you exactly where of things course, are being Of course, on their channel, right? The same thing. Facebook, you're talking with them, it's about Facebook and Instagram. You're talking to Google, it's going to be about Google and YouTube. We have a lot of our clients who want that same level of precision and accountability and impact in an omni-channel world. That's what we do. We do storytelling in an omni-channel world to drive sales and build brand equity. So our role, because any time any of our clients is going to have a conversation with any of these big platform partners... The, the answer is going to be to spend more with us. I mean, it's not going to be an objective point of view, which is why it's not healthy in our ecosystem at the moment. So I find when you say, 
What are the, if I look at the big disruptors of our industry today, having management consultants start to come into our space, that's not the bigger, that is not the bigger challenge compared to the power of platforms who are really taking, let's think about it, 80 cents of all, or 90% of all new digital dollars coming, 65% of all digital spending now on platforms in a closed environment. They're opening up more and more, but it's been at the barrel of a gun of the advertisers demanding more. Our ecosystem is at the moment quite lopsided. So I think we're going to see more innovation there, more development in that regard. And also the other thing is, as all advertising becomes more addressable, I think the other part of this that we're not really thinking about as much, and we don't talk about as much, is digital experiences. And for you, it might be a mobile experience. For you, it might be a, you know, your web experience. For, for you over the sitting there, it might be VR, maybe an out, maybe a mixed reality experience. And I think the nature of how these digital experiences work hand in hand with communication, because I can advertise as much as I want. I can attract you to Uber, that one experience you have, and the car's on the other side of Manhattan. It's not outside here on, on Mercer Street. You've blown it. That brand experience has completely changed. So I think also the other part of us to be really innovative from an agency point of view is that we are imagining a total experience, not just a brand experience or a user experience or sales experience. How does it all shape up together? And I think this is where engagement is going to have to be linked and really be thought about when it comes to that transaction experience. And that engagement and that transaction experience needs to come together to say, how do I share that? I mean, there's a whole Gen Z generation that's, that's with us now that unless it's shared, it didn't happen, right? I think one of the other things, and they are sort of related to this idea of the, what can the consultancies do? What can the agency do? How do these all things come together? Is this idea that everybody's starting to do everybody else's job. And I think that you have agencies who are trying to become publishers. You have publishers who have tried, mostly failed, to become agencies, um, create content studios. What started as content studios turned them into full-fledged agencies. We've got places like the New York Times outright acquiring advertising agencies. As Hearst did with Eye Crossing. And, and that's yeah. where I was going to go. So, you know, before before you started um, at Density Just Network, you were at Eye Crossing, um, which was owned by Hearst. And yep. at that time, I think it was one of still the fewer people that was kind of, you had a publisher kind of owning an agency. And then that trend accelerated. Where is it going to go from here as everything starts to kind of meld into each other? I mean, there is sort of this coming together happening that's also creating just the service offerings are getting confusing. Well, I think it goes to the heart of what you were asking earlier about the role of the agencies and how we are singularly focused on having a combination of strategy and objectivity that isn't reliant on the assets that we're selling. I went to Hearst, primarily Hearst, not just iCrossing, in the, in the belief that if you go to a media company, at the core of a media company is a storytelling company with content and data. And if we can repurpose the content and data in a marketing context, not just a media sales context, then there's a bigger strategic advantage to be had. Culturally, media companies are media companies. And I think when you think about that content, I'm not saying the same thing with you, Digiday, here, but it's hard for people to think agency, agency life agency operators the general sentiment of the way agencies operate are unique they are unique and having spent three years at Hearst it was a wonderful experience it's one of the most amazing professional media in fact they're much more than a media company a very very diverse company but their media assets are very strong they're not 
the most liquid. So that fluidity of that content and that data to different forms, different shapes, different sizes, that wasn't as easy as I imagined it would be. So here's what ideas need to be fluid. They need to be flexible. And that master, that big brand idea, how that manifests itself within a strategy of execution and optimization changes Am I trying to target? Am I trying to retain you as, as someone who knows the category? Maybe you have no idea of the category. Maybe you're a lapsed user. You tried the brand once you, and you've left and I'm trying to bring you back. Maybe you, you're, you know, you're a promiscuous buyer and you don't care of that category and you're just going to go on a price promotion. I mean, the sophistication, and this is another reason why data and, and, and certainly Dentsu Aegis Network with our investment in M1 and the power of PII and having the, you know, the, the, the power of identity, of anonymity, that's the biggest trend you're seeing with the huge acquisition of IPG, the tremendous price that they paid for the Axiom asset, for the announcements that are coming out of Omnicom, for the spine at Publicis Group. What we are seeing is the fact that the data, the very multiple confusing streams of data need to be gathered together and they need to be analyzed in a much more consistent way and leveraged for insight and strategic advantage. That has been rather messy and that's all getting cleaned up. And certainly, Dentsu Aegis have been way down the path because obviously that all came through the Merkel acquisition two years ago. And that has been just a joy to work with their skill sets and their sort of data scientist mentality and fusing that together. For me, that's where you we, we talk about agency life. For me, creativity 2.0 is when storytelling is is fueled by data and enabled by technology, which is probably no different to Pixar. It's probably no different to so many companies out there that are really doing it well on the media owner side. But from an agency point of view, I'm seeing less distinction between the principles that guide digital experiences or addressable advertising. And I just think that combination of data uh, and content, I mean, that's another thing to talk about. Everyone's talking about data. You said it earlier, data, data. Personally, I don't think the biggest challenge of marketing today is a channel challenge or a media challenge or even a data challenge, I think is a content challenge. Well, which is why the media companies thought they were so yes, well suited yes, to yes. that. But then you, if you're going to be in the content and you've got to really satisfy the needs, then it's about how do you scale at low enough prices, at high enough speed, and how are you able to sequence that content along a customer journey and optimize it at the point of consumption. The reason why Amazon are going to do so well is because they are customizing that content, that messaging, at the point of consumer experience, at the point of consumption. And so where you're seeing what was the power of programmatic, programmatic media buying tying up now with dynamic creative, that relies, and here, and you know the real trick is, how to do all of that without creating brand schizophrenia. Because we're seeing too much, and Mark Pritchett was the one two years ago at the ANA who talked so much about the fact, I think it was content crap trap or whatever. Mm. I mean, just uh, brands Crap the, featured very right, heavily exactly. in that. It did. All it was, it was, you remember that. And I think, but that's a challenge. How is a brand consistent in all aspects of the way that we work together? So I, I listen, you know, net net, I'm very enthusiastic about agency uh, future. I'm very optimistic about our continued strategic importance. A lot of that responsibility in terms of how we continue to benefit from that economically and, and, and from a strategic point of view in our client relationships it's down to us, but what it does demand is that we evolve from just selling services, which can be procured, usually by procurement at the lower prices, to being a solutions and a strategic partner that's committed on helping our clients win, keep and grow their customers at the lowest prices. 
Thank you, Nick Bryan. Thank you very much. That's Nick Bryan, and that's it for this episode. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. I'm Shreen Patek. We'll see you next week. Thank you.